Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Thank you, Pastor, and thank you very much. I am pumped to be up here today. If you're watching online, welcome. Um, If you've joined us the last couple weeks, you heard Pastor Dale Speak and Pastor David, you might have thought we were in the middle of a series called uh, Old Ball Gloves. Uh, being a sports pastor, I advocated for bring your glove to church day. Uh, didn't happen as I'd hoped, so I brought one myself. Um, you may recognize this glove. I uh, currently don't use it anymore. Grown out of it a little bit, but uh, it reminded me of this little glove that Uh, We are opening up registration for T-Ball on the turf. Uh, You'll see a picture coming up here. If you've got a three to five-year-old boy or girl, you want them to look like a bobblehead, you can sign them up for the cutest thing we offer. That's my son there uh, playing the last time we were out there. You know, we're starting a new series today called Snapshots of the Kingdom. And I want to show you a couple snapshots. This is one of them. But some other cool things that are happening in the life of our church. Uh, This week, I got a call from the Grove City Chamber of Commerce, and they said, uh, hey, we want you to come down. Uh, We have your trophy. Uh, Over the summer, uh, some guys from church, we went out and uh, played in the Grove City Area uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, golf outing, and we won. Uh, But what's really cool about this is it took some time to engrave it. Um, We won, and we only played 16 holes. You know, your score's a lot better when you only score on 16 holes, you know? And uh, we didn't cheat, I promise. Uh, we got rained out, and we saved our, uh, our blow-up hole for the last hole, so we were good. We were able to win, and that was pretty cool. But it reminds me, you know, some of you, maybe you're looking to get connected. Maybe you're golfers. We're signing up for the Nasters, which is the name of our golf group here, uh, for summer-long uh, opportunities to connect through golf and uh and be active out for sunnier days. Another snapshot I've got for you here is probably my favorite to share with you today. Uh, this is the tent. Many of you may remember around Christmas time, came before you and shared some needs that had come to us as a church community, and a lot of you responded and gave uh, to, to make this tent possible for our Reeser Foundation friends. You know, here we are getting ready to prepare for such a bitter cold week. They're saying the coldest it'll have been in two years and just in time. I got this picture two days ago of this tent popping up at the Reesers. They've been identified as an official warming station in Franklin County. And through a lot of your contributions, they're going to have space heaters in there, cots, people who are living on the land are able to come find a warm place receive a meal in the love of Jesus Christ. So thank you, church. Absolutely, give it a hand. Some really cool things happening here, some snapshots of what's going on. And I wanna share with you today three different snapshots that are found in the book of Matthew chapter 11. You know, last week, many of you remember Pastor Dale took us through chapter 10. He shared his vision. And if you didn't get to experience that in person or watch it online, go to YouTube, go to our Facebook page, go to our church website, find that sermon. You'll want to see the call that our pastor put out and the direction that we are headed as a church body. 
he showed us the call that Jesus had for his disciples to go out into their neighborhoods, into their community to make a difference. And so we too are taking up that call. It's nothing new, it's the same call as Jesus had and many of us have experienced and so we are taking that up ourselves and engaging with our community and bringing Christ to them. And so in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus continues with his instruction to identify what we're gonna call three snapshots. He gives us three pictures of the different people when you take up this vision and call in your life that you are going to encounter and experience along the way. Three different types of people. The first that Jesus encounters is people with doubt. Then he's gonna talk about people who don't believe And then he's gonna talk about people who truly surrender to Christ. So I wanna invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 11, verse two. We're gonna pick up the story. We're introduced again to John the Baptist. John is currently in prison uh, by the king for speaking out against the king, marrying his sister-in-law. And John finds himself isolated and alone and only getting the hearings and happenings from his followers of what's going on. Let's read together here, Matthew eleven two through three. It says, when John was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is coming or to come or should we expect someone else? Interestingly enough, here is John posing this question because he finds himself isolated and separated and Now, because he's alone, he's reflecting and wrestling with his own thoughts, wrestling with the news reports that he's getting of the world around him, and it's causing him to question what truth is. The current state of his reality is not what was foretold about his life. He was prophesied to be the voice in the wilderness, calling people to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near But no one is near John as he's in prison. He's not in the wilderness to call other people to repent. And he's starting to wonder if the calling that God had placed on his life that had been prophesied about him is really what he is living out in this moment. He's starting to look at his circumstances and doubt is creeping in that God is really using him in this way and how can God allow what's happening to him and the chains and persecution he's facing, the forecast of his fate really be what God had intended for his life and how is what he's hearing really the workings of God in the world and to simply summarize it, what God is doing doesn't seem to be occurring the way that John understood it would be. You know, I wonder how many times we can relate with that. Sometimes many of you in your own life, in your own faith, have probably had doubts. You've looked at the circumstances around you, and despite having moments where you've lived a life of faith and been on top of that mountain, prayer and worship and all things were going well, maybe even some of you today watching online are in a place where you would say, This can't be what God had intended for me. What I'm experiencing right now can't be what God had in store for my life. And so you two are grappling with the doubts of your current life 
circumstances. Some of you have a calling on your life, a calling that when you heard Pastor Dale speak last week, you got excited because it rang the bell of what you've heard before. It raised and energized your soul to think, yes, this is what God is calling me to do. I could be a part of this. But when you left from this place and you were not hearing that calling on a consistent basis, you started to wonder the logistics. How is this going to happen? No one else is going into this neighborhood with me. No one else works where I do. No one else is in those conversations. I've tried this before. And you're trying to piece it together in your mind of how God could use you to move in your world and speak through you to bring Christ to your community, but you're not sure what that's going to look like. You're not sure how you're going to have the strength or the ability to do it. So you start to doubt whether you should even try, whether you should even pursue it more and more. I think it's interesting if we remember back in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, John the Baptist was the one who told the crowd publicly, look, here comes the Messiah, the one whose sandals I'm not able to untie. It was John the Baptist who had that experience, that moment of baptizing Jesus. And he himself, with his own eyes and his own ears, would have seen the clouds part and hear the audible voice of God look down and say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And here we are just eight chapters later. John's circumstances have changed and it's causing him to wonder if something else has changed, to be uncertain. And so he sends his followers to raise a question, pose a question to Jesus. You know, the same thing happens to us. When we start to question things going on in our own life, the circumstances and the things that we're facing that seem unclear, we can't piece them together, we start raising questions, don't we? We allow ourselves to dance with doubt and we find ourselves doubting the method that God is using. And we start doubting the method, it leads to doubting his motive of why he would do that. And when we're doubting the motive, it grows into this doubting of his own character and the nature and goodness of who he is. And if we stay in that place of questioning, we ultimately find ourselves doubting the true existence of God and the importance of that relationship. You see, doubt is when we start to question when God does not always act as we expect. Doubt comes when we aren't sure of truth. I'm gonna say that again. Doubt comes when we aren't sure of truth. Friends, I'm gonna tell you something today. God doesn't deal in doubt. I wanna speak some truth to you today. It's no wonder that Satan's very first attempt to cripple and stumble mankind in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter two, is him posing a question to Eve, leading her to doubt. Did God really say you can't eat of that fruit of that tree? To expound on that doubt with another question, uh, maybe God just knows what will happen to you if you did do that. And allowing herself to ponder and ponder and wrestle with that, we find that doubt is when God has put a period and Satan tries to turn it into a question mark. 
doubt in our life looks like us questioning and it shakes the foundation of who we are. It's the exact thing that the Apostle James was pointing out to in James chapter one when he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. When you ask, when you ask your questions, when you ask for wisdom, as James says, you must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the ocean blown and tossed by the wind, thrown back and forth. If you live in doubt, you're unstable, you're uncertain. So John questions Jesus by saying, are you the one we should look to or will there be another? I wanna pick up here in verse four and see how Jesus responds to John's doubting question. He says this in verse four and five, go back to and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good proclaim, or the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus says, here's the answer to your doubt. Here's how I respond to your questions. Let me remind you of what you've heard and what you've seen. John's disciples would have experienced those same things. Jesus says, remember what I've said. Remember what I've done. But he doesn't just do that. He says, let me remind you and point you back to scripture. You see, here Jesus is listing out specific messianic prophecies about himself that were given by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35 Verses five and six says that the Messiah will perform signs like eyes of the blind being opened, eye or ears of the deaf will be opened, a mute tongue will shout for joy. Jesus says that the good news is being preached to the poor. That's a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61, verse one. He's saying all of these things you've seen, you've experienced, are not just because I'm doing them, but it's because it's been prophesied that I would do them as a evidence of who I am and who has sent me. Oftentimes when we doubt, we are so stuck at looking at our current circumstances and the challenges we're facing in the moment, we don't have the same confidence and assurance of what we've gone through in our past. When we look back and reflect at the moments when God showed up and showed out in our faith, when he was faithful and we hear the stories of how God has moved and worked in the lives of people around us, we often think it seems too distant or too much like a fairy tale because here's what I'm facing now. Here's what I'm going through now and I haven't seen God in this moment. God hasn't been faithful in this moment. So you question the faithfulness of him in the past. That's what dealing with doubt is. But Jesus was on a mission. He doesn't rebuke John for asking. He doesn't discourage them or send them away. He faces their doubts head on and he points them back to scripture. Friends, Jesus does the same thing to us. He says, you wanna know who I am? Here's my word. 
You want to know my truth, my promises. I've listed it out here for you. God's desire is not for you to live in the state of doubt. God's desire is for you to live in assurance of who he is and what his desire is for your life. He'll point you back to scripture that reveals the truth of who he is and his heart for you. I want to tell you something today. If you've got questions, you've dealt with doubt, you've searched for answers in various places, bring those questions to Jesus. He can handle it. He can handle your questions. He could handle the questions of even John the Baptist. I think in our world today, we see expressions of doubt in a lot of different ways. People searching for answers and for truth. Oftentimes when we have doubt, we want God to respond and reveal answers to us in a way that's very tangible and real that can't be avoided or undeniable. I've seen people searching and because they have doubt, they start to pull away. They start to pull away and maybe they'll miss a church service. Maybe they'll leave their small group. Maybe for them, they'll quit reading their Bible or they won't pray as often. They start to separate themselves and disconnect. And while missing one meal and not partaking in God's experience and being intentional with God-focused moments one time or two times, you may not be starving or that hungry, but if you continue this pattern of skipping and missing, you're spiritually starving yourself. And you're going to get to the point that you're weak and immobile. And your faith will be lacking. The same thing is happening here. And so we can take encouragement from John the Baptist who brings his questions to Jesus. Who brings them before Jesus. Other times when we doubt, I've been seeing it far too often lately. Evidence of doubt in our life comes from moments where we know of a loved one or a friend or somebody else who's going through something. And I see it posted or messages all the time that say, here's what they're going through. They're having a tough time. And we put it out there as saying, I could really use some prayers, some good vibes, and some positive thoughts. Church, I'm really discouraged with that doubt. I want to speak some truth to you this morning. God doesn't deal in good vibes. God is not moved on your behalf because somebody thinks a positive thought about you. And I know it's a display of searching for help and assistance in any way possible, but it's showing a lack of faith in what you requested in the first place, and that's prayers and assistance from the Lord on high. I live off Broadway 62 here in downtown, and I often drive that road a lot through downtown Grove City. And there's a lot of businesses that line in the old homes that lead into Grove City. And there's one business an establishment there that exists because people have questions and have doubts and want to know answers. And it's incredibly discouraging and oftentimes I drive by it so much, every time I drive by this place where you can go and get cards apparently read about your future, I pray against it. 
I pray against that place every single time. I've been doing it for years. In fact, it caught up to me last time. I got a speeding ticket for the first time in my life right across the street from that place. I kid you not, my family found out about it last service when I told them. I speak against that because God is not in the business of using other avenues to get through to us. We have a direct line of communication through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit that's been established for our benefit. We don't have to seek out other ways to reach God. I praise the Lord, there's a for sale sign in front of that house this week. I pray they move out and I pray something that has the Lord's blessing moves in. And the same thing needs to happen in our lives as well. You need to let go of those positive vibes and prayers for positive thoughts. And you need to grab onto the truth of God's word and ask for your friends and family to surround you and bring you before the throne of Jesus Christ. He alone is the answer. And you need to put to death your doubts. Snapshot number two I want to talk to you about today is this. Found in verse 20 of this chapter, we see the second group of people that Jesus says you're going to encounter. Verse 12, Jesus reaffirms John and establishes him as a part of the kingdom. Verse 13 through 19, he explains all the role of the prophets. We get to verse 20, and Jesus takes a very contrast turn and addresses what he calls the woes to the unrepentive towns. We read in verses 20 through 24 of these specific cities and areas where Jesus says they have heard the message of the Savior. They have even had Jesus and his followers go and perform actual miracles and signs to give evidence of who he is. But Jesus calls them out because they have seen, they have heard, and they have yet not believed. And Jesus is very clear and very direct to say, because of their unbelief, when the day of judgment comes, he assures that it's going to come, that they will be judged even more harshly because they've not believed. Friends, the second snapshot here can refer to a lot of us, because I know in this room there are people here who say, I've attended maybe a couple times, maybe a long time, but I still don't believe in this Christian thing. I just come with my family or I've shown up with a friend. There's people watching online who don't want to show up in this room, but you've heard this message before. You've heard of Jesus and the price that he paid for you, the desire he has to have a relationship with you. You've seen him work in awesome ways for other people. You don't believe that that is something that can happen to you. And Jesus is specifically talking to, in this second snapshot, people who don't believe. And he's very clear. Your eternal destination is at stake. Jesus is pointing them to the end of the story in Revelations 21, verse 8. It says, amongst all of those things, the people who are liars, stealers, he includes in there, it says, those who don't believe their place is an eternal damnation. Friends, I don't know what's kept you from believing. 
I don't know what's held you up. Maybe it's questions. Maybe it's uncertainty. Maybe you've not taken a step of faith in your life because somebody that's claimed faith in their life has not put on a great display of what Jesus really is. And there's no way I want to associate with that if this is really what it's all about. Friends, I want to speak to you today because Jesus spoke it as well and said, you're going to encounter people like this. And woe to them if they don't believe. Jesus showed up on earth and put himself on that cross as evidence to show you how much he cares about you. And you still have time. I beg and plead of you, do not stay in this snapshot of unbelief. This is the moment that you're tuned in and hearing this that can change your eternal destination. And it may feel good to be with your family right now. I'm gonna pray that you secure that for all eternity. To start a relationship with Jesus Christ in this moment. If that's you, I wanna invite everybody to pray with me right now. Let's handle this up front. Heavenly Father, God, I pray right now as we are digging deep into your word, into your teachings and the truth found, God, that you tell us specifically that the outlook for eternity is not good for someone who does not put their faith and surrender to you. It ultimately will lead to eternal separation from you. And God, that's no place to be. Father, I pray right now for the person who needs to receive your son forgiveness for the sins, for the choices that they are making not to live in accordance with your word. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will become present to them, that they will have a moment that is undeniable and unavoidable right now. God, that you will move them to take a step of faith and surrender and ask you to be Lord of their life right now. Help them get established and new and rooted and firm understanding of who they are and what they mean to you. That they can then grow in their faith and take steps forward today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The third snapshot I wanna look at with you today is this. It's the snapshot for those who surrendered to Jesus. This snapshot is found in what's probably the most famous verses of this chapter, the last three verses, verses 28 through 30. They're gonna come up on the screen. Let's read them together. It says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, I find it interesting, Jesus before this in Matthew chapter four, calls out to his followers and says, follow me. He says, come follow me. But here in Matthew chapter 11, after they've been following Jesus, Jesus speaks again to the same people and says, hey, come back to me and get rest. 
Because the same people he's talking to now are carrying these burdens. They're weary. They're tired. And Jesus says, I have a desire and a call for you to come and get restored yourself. Jesus is saying, when you come to me, I reconnect you with God the Father. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you return to Jesus, he offers you rest. Jesus in verse 28 specifically doesn't just call, come, but he offers an explanation to the condition of people. The condition that they're experiencing of being weary and burdened and tired. And I think a lot of us can connect to that. A lot of us can relate and say, I'm serving Jesus, but I'm tired. I've been helping out, but I'm a little weary. Maybe for some of you, you've been serving children. Others of you, you've been serving a friend or a neighbor, going through a situation, and you've been there for them, and you've heard their story, and you've stepped up and made a difference, but it's continuing to go on, and you're a little worn down. Maybe you've been helping a friend or a loved one. Maybe it's a child that's lost their way or a family member that's gotten sick, and you're just tired. In this verse, find refuge and solace and reuniting with God. Be intentional to turn to him. And verse 28 feels good. It feels good to be reconnected. But oftentimes we want to stay in verse 28. We want to stay in a place of rest. But I want to point out to you verse 29. Intentionally following this verse, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Well, hold on, Jesus, you just said I could come here and lay this burden down. Why do I got to pick something else up? I'm tired. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. This is not a bait and switch situation. But you see, true rest is found not in freedom from responsibility. When you come to Jesus, you lay those things down. But you don't just get to then go on and live the life the way you want. You don't get to have a moment of coming to Jesus and then just do whatever you want because you're free from the responsibilities you once had. And all is better, I can go forward. No. Jesus says you still have to take up a yoke. True rest is found in the holy bondage of the duty we've been created to do. True rest is found when you yoke yourself and connect yourself to Jesus and live out the life that he's called you to live. But you see, you don't have to carry that on your own. Jesus says, I'm the one that's yoked up with you. My strength is sufficient in your weakness. I can carry this load for you, but we're still gonna work. We're still gonna move forward. Your path and time is not up and not done. If you've come to get rest today, I pray that you find that. But I pray that you find the truth in verse 29 the responsibility that you have not to stay put, but to press forward. No soul is free when it is living in rebellion to God. And if you need to come to Jesus today to find rest, do that. But then you need to take steps forward in pursuit of him to grow. Jesus says to grow in verse 29, to learn from me, learn more about him. We call that here a pursuit of holiness. 
living a life that is holy and pleasing to God, finding areas of your life you need to surrender to him, ways you need to take steps of faith and improve who you are so that Christ can live in and through you in more new ways. We want to receive verse 28, but it's just as important to receive the truth as it is to live out the truth in verse 29. I think it's really neat in verse 29, it's one of the only glimpses we get of Jesus describing his own heart and nature. He says, for my heart is gentle and humble. That's how he approaches you. That's how he came to earth, gentle and humble. I'm gonna invite you to stand. As I was thinking about these three different snapshots, my desire today is that none of us will stay in a place that we've entered. I was thinking of this analogy, and it goes like this. As you're standing, imagine yourself being someone who is backpacking along a road. You're backpacking along a road, and as you're walking, you're getting tired because of the weight of your shoulders you're carrying this backpack with you. And as you're making your way down, all of a sudden this pickup truck comes along. Man, it's a great looking pickup truck. It can handle all the ice and snow of this winter season. And inside the pickup truck is Jesus driving by. Jesus pulls off to the side of the road and he stops. And if you're in this first snapshot number one, when Jesus invites you to get into the truck and he'll carry you forward, you don't hop in right away because you've got some questions. Where are you going? How far is this going to be? How long is this going to take? Is this going to be a bumpy ride or is this going to be pretty smooth? If you're in snapshot number one, you've got doubts. Raise those doubts to Jesus. If you're in snapshot number two, despite being tired and worn down, praying that this would change or speed up or your weights would lighten, your disbelief doesn't allow you to hop into the back of that truck. And you say, I'm gonna go my own way and do my own thing. And you continue down the road and it's a lot harder that way. And ultimately, you're never gonna reach where you wanna go. Snapshot number three, Jesus says, hop in the back of the truck. And as a believer, you surrender and say, thank you. You jump in the back of the truck. And Jesus starts leading you down the road of life and as you're making your way down, Jesus looks in the reflection of that rear view mirror. He sees you sitting there. And he pulls off to the side of the road and he hops out and he says, hey, why do you still have your backpack on? I'm carrying you through this now. My pickup truck can handle that load. Let down your backpack, set it down and ride with me here. Follow my lead. Church, my desire for you today is to get to that point that you've joined with Jesus. You've laid down your burdens at his feet. 
and you allow him to guide and direct your life forward into your neighborhoods. I wanna pray for you today, wherever you may be at. Heavenly Father, God, your word tells us that these are the types of people we're gonna encounter. And the truth is we can probably find ourselves in one of these three snapshots today. Maybe we've been doubting, uncertain about our faith. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it doesn't make sense. God, I pray that we don't stay in that state of doubt, but we'll bring our questions before you with the same grace and mercy you extended, John. You'll answer and point us to your word. Lord, we won't be searching for doubt in other things, in other avenues, in other places. But God, we will turn to you. Our desire to seek out good vibes, we'll seek out God vibes. And we'll just let that be a misspelling. We're gonna let Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be the motto of our life. I don't understand it, but I've got to give all of it to you. I may not fully grasp it, but I've got to completely surrender to you and trust and believe that you will lead me down this straight path of life. Father, for the person in snapshot number two, who is still walking down the road of life, carrying the weight of their own decisions and their past and their uncertainty and their skepticism, things that are slowing their journey down and burdening them to the point they can barely put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes they've even crawled. God, I pray that you'll pull alongside them right now. Extend your hand of help a hand that is pierced from the nails on the cross on their behalf. Offer forgiveness for their decisions that did not lead them in unison with your will for their life. Forgive them, Father. Surround them with people this week who will love on them as you've loved on each and every one of us. May they not stay in the state of unbelief. And God, I pray today for the person who needs rest in that third snapshot that needs to surrender some things to you and leave it in your hands and not carry that around with them anymore. And they will take up the call to holiness in their life, pursuit of Christ-like life. It's a call that requires work on a daily basis, but it's something that you promise to be right by our side and help see us through. Strengthen and embolden some faiths today, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.